Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. I feel like we need to raise our um, smartness level. Raise oh. our smartness level. <laughs> a little bit. Life 107.5. In my opinion, all teachers deserve a raise, but <laughs> somewhere there is a teacher who deserves an extra special, awesome, amazing raise because of the idea that they came up with. They set up this hotline (laughs) and you call this hotline and it basically gives you like three or four options. It's like, hey, if you're feeling mad or angry right now, press one. If you need encouragement, press two. And when you press this button, they have their students, kids age like seven to 10, something like that. And then some kindergartners who are like five. Giving you life advice. (laughs) It's delightful. This is what you get if you need advice from six to ten year olds. Be grateful for yourself. I trust that you can make things right. Be happy. Try it again. If you're feeling up high and unbalanced, think of groundhogs. It's okay to be different. We all really like you. Never back down, never give up. The world is a better place with you in it. Bro, you're looking great. Be responsible. Be nice. You are okay. We love you. You're having a very important meeting with a coworker. Mm-hmm. As I was yesterday. You were. Well, it was you. <laughs> Taylor and I were having a very important meeting, and then I got a text. And whenever I get a text, I look down at my phone and, you know, there are certain people that you can, you know, put it off till later. And then there's other people that you kind of have to look at it and respond to right away. Yes. This text was from my son, Benjamin. So that's a look and respond. Well, especially when the text says this. There's blood on my sandwich. What? (laughs) And it's not mine. That was the text. Was this like a, a sandwich? Like, did he go to Subway or? Let me put it into context here. Okay. Yes, I still get up every morning and pack my children's lunches. This was a sandwich that I had packed for him. And there's blood on it. Well, that's what he says. There's blood on my sandwich and it's not mine. My text back to him was, no, there's not. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, yes, there is, mom. And I said, show me. Okay. You asked for photographic I evidence. I did. I said, show me. I want to see what it looks like. We can. In this day and age, I can do that. And then the next thing, it, he, it takes like, like, there's like two minutes in between these texts. Then he says, it tasted like iron. Like, uh- <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this text string is so random. I don't even know what to do with it. There is no blood on your sandwich. I made it myself this morning. <laughs> if there's a teeny tiny little bit of red on the meat, it was once turkey. So it could have been that. Oh, my goodness. So then a couple of minutes later, I get a picture of my son's sandwich. Mm-hmm. And there's little dots of red all over the bread. Oh, okay. And <laughs> underneath it, he says, it tasted like iron. Oh, well. And then I looked at that and I had to type this into my phone. Oh, yeah. That's red velvet from a brownie. (laughs) I had originally put a red velvet brownie in his sandwich container. And then I took it out to put the sandwich in and I put the brownie in something else. And apparently red velvet tastes like iron. (laughs) Only when you think it's blood. (laughs) I think sometimes your first thought is... (gasps) Oh my goodness, what am I going to do? And then you realize it's a false alarm. If you've got a false alarm story, we would love to hear it. So it's Sunday noon. We're sitting down for dinner and my daughter brought her girlfriend over. And she sits down she goes, my ham is moldy. 
Your ham? My was, ham is moldy. My ham is moldy. It was had just been touching her green jello. Oh. <laughs> so, Cora, if you're listening, that was you. That was you. <laughs> I go to my friend's house and my, her mom serves me moldy ham. Moldy ham. And we all know that mold glistens and jiggles. That's not the mold in my house. Nope. <laughs> my mold just looks like the cheese hasn't shaved in a little while. When you are on the receiving end of a false alarm, it is scary, and then you're relieved. But what about when you are on the giving end of a false alarm? Steve understands this. I was riding a motorcycle. I was only 16 at the time. It was an enduro, and traffic ahead of me had come to a stop. I was distracted, and I hit the trunk of the lady in front of me, not real fast or anything, Flipped up over the handlebars, landed on her trunk. I was sitting down, facing backward, going like, what did I just do? <laughs> so being a good boy, called it in to the police, said, you know, there's been an accident, motorcycle and car, nobody's hurt and all that stuff. Well, they sent an ambulance. Oh. Didn't ask for one, but they just assumed because it was a motorcycle. Yeah. Ambulance had to be dispatched, okay? Well, so me and the lady I hit and the store manager and all that, we're all telling the ambulance folks, look, he's not hurt. He doesn't want to go. How old is he? He's 16. Well, we got to take him unless we can get a hold of his folks. Well, you can't get a hold of my folks. They are at a football game, a college football game in a city two hours west of here. Well, if we can't get a hold of your folks, we got to take you to the hospital. Oh, my goodness. So we get to the ER, and they say, well, what's wrong with you? Nothing. Well, we got to get a hold of your folks. So they call the stadium at this college football game two hours west of where we were. And on the announcement stand, they said, will the parents of Steve please go to the nearest emergency phone or whatever? I can only imagine they probably thought I was dead. Oh, my goodness. I think it was a little book series, and then it became kind of a statement. Everything I needed to know, I learned in kindergarten. Yeah. Remember that? Okay. Well, today we are taking pep talks and advice from children. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> there is this school on the West Coast, and the teachers said, hey, let's set up a hotline and have our students. They're like kindergarten through fourth graders. And they give pep talks. They give you advice for when you're feeling angry. Yeah, you can make a phone call and then go through the call tree to decide how you feel (laughs) and what kind of message you want. So if you're feeling nervous or angry, this is what you will hear. When you're feeling mad, you should take three deep breaths and think of things that make you happy. The thing that makes me happy is when and I think of happy things will happen in the future, like going to a friend's house or a cousin's house. Bye you're frustrated, you can always go to your bedroom, punch a pillow, or cry on it, and just go scream outside. If you're nervous, go get your wallet and spend it on ice cream and shoes. If you feel mad or frustrated, you can do what you want to do best, or you can do flips on the trampoline. I want you to think about your friend group right now. Mm the people that you have in your life. And I want you to think about that person who sits there quietly and then all of a sudden just tells you the weirdest, most (laughs) random fact about their self. And they do it so frequently that you're not even surprised anymore. You just kind of lean to it, lean into it. And you're like, what did you just say? I had one of those moments with my Dear friend who's looking at me right now, 
Taylor. Is this is this about Katie? Yes, it's about Katie. Do you understand? Do you do you understand how weird that it, is? You know what? Just the f- it happened Taylor, enough that it just kind of became normal. You and I have known each other for a long time. Uh huh. I didn't know about Katie until yesterday. You had heard about this? I had never heard about Katie. This is seriously weird, okay, my friend. So seriously weird. Katie. <laughs> Was the pet that we owned the longest, but also the pet where there was kind of the least to do when she was gone? Yep. Katie wasn't missed that much My, when uh, she was gone. Although you had her for how long? She was with us for 14 years. 14 years! My little brother was a critter collector, okay? So we had garden snakes. We had a knolls. We had a couple <laughs> gerbils. Uh, like 18 different hamsters. hamsters named all Abby. Had, all had the same name. Yep, I knew that. But the one pet that we only had one of was Katie, and Katie was a fire-bellied newt. But tell them where Katie lived! So, Katie had a terrarium that we kept in the bathroom closet. (laughs) So you would, like, you'd go into the bathroom and you'd open it up if you needed, like, some some pain relievers or toothpaste or towels. The dirty laundry hamper was in there. And then, like, an entire shelf was taken up by this terrarium holding Katie the Firebelly Newt, who apparently lived most of her life in the darkness of a bathroom closet. If that's not a weird pet... I don't know what is. So it's not normal if you have a newt in the closet? <laughs> it, I mean, it was literally, it'd be like, Katie's still alive. How, how do you know? I need a deodorant. How, how can something that I keep on forgetting about still be alive? Newts are very durable. What you don't know is since we started talking about Katie the Newt this morning, Taylor and his mom, <laughs> Taylor and his mom, Jackie, have been texting back and forth about where Katie the Newt actually lived. And then I found out via this text string that you also had a snake named Hiss. We had two snakes named Hiss. <laughs> of the, course. Fr- the first one died and it was traumatizing. So we got a second one because that's what you do after a traumatic experience. You had weird pets. So did Jody, though. For a while, my husband and I had a beautiful buse shrimp that we found at a pet store when we were looking at fish one time. Did you say shrimp? Yes. It, it was, was about four or five inches long. And it was blue? It, a shrimp. Yes, it was blue. We'd never seen one before, so we got it. <laughs> and um, we found out that it was nocturnal, and we eventually named it Houdini because he kept escaping from his aquarium during the night. Oh, my. You had Houdini? The blue shrimp. So if I was up during the night, I would check on him to make sure he was in his aquarium. And sometimes he wasn't. And we had to look for him. You had to look in your house oh for a goodness. shrimp. Yes. <laughs> Honey, do you understand how strange this is? I love this. <laughs> and then there's um, something funny that he would do, too. Um, we had a uh, an air stone in there. And he liked it. He thought it was a spa treatment. So he would sit on top of the decoration at the bottom of the aquarium. And reach up with his pinchers, I'm to call them, and hold them underneath the bubbles from the air stone and do like a spa treatment. Oh my goodness. You had a cartoon shrimp. That's you were living much. with a cartoon. <laughs> he's, he's, he's literally doing the Finding Nemo bubbles, bubbles, bubbles. <laughs> I love this. There is nothing I love more than telling stories about animals, but when they get weird, that's the best. You got a weird pet story, Andy? When our kids were young, we bought a iguana. And we thought it'd be cool for him to watch it grow up. And yeah. we made a nice cage for it out of an old entertainment center and put a sheet of glass on the front. And Wow. After a couple of years, it started to get kind of big. And we thought, well, maybe we'll let it roam around the house a little bit. <laughs> and we also had a 
a house cat. Oh, no. And we thought, well, maybe, you know, we'll see how it goes. And <laughs> oh. we kind of watched him for a while. And the cat was just more disinterested. And every once in a while, I would go over and try to play with its tail. And the iguana would just run up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> well, one day, we were in the kitchen. And we heard this terrible sound coming from the other room. And went running into the living room. And here was the iguana. And he had jumped onto the cat's face and was literally held its mouth shut with all of its arms and its tail. And the cat was just screeching and trying to get the iguana off of its face. So the cat learned that uh, you, you don't try to mess with the iguana. So last Tuesday, I almost called the United States Department of Defense. Really? Yes. That is an escalation. I, I couldn't find the phone number for it, though. They don't like just have it out willy They're not in the yellow pages? <laughs> No, and I almost did that because I created something in my kitchen that I'm pretty sure they could have used as a weapon. Oh, my. Oh, my. It was supposed to be my dessert for small group. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you've heard it said cooking is stuff. You can just throw stuff together with cooking. And when you're cooking, you can kind of taste along the way and add a little bit here and take out a little bit there. And there's things that you can do with cooking. You can be a little bit creative. It's art. It is. Baking... Not so much. No. Baking is more science. A lot of the reason why a recipe in baking is the way that it is, is because of the way that the ingredients interact with each other. Mm-hmm. All right. And so it's a good idea when you're baking to follow a recipe. Well, sometimes, I don't know, you get just a little bit overconfident and you think, ah, I can add a little bit here. I can add a little bit there. Oh boy. I think I'm going to do this instead of that. And you find yourself talking to the recipe. Oh, I don't need that. I could do it this way. And oh, wouldn't this taste good? I was trying to create a lemon pound cake. I had a perfectly good recipe for it. Instead, what I created was some kind of hard, dense, somewhat gelatinous, but almost indestructible manhole cover that was yellow. And it was so disturbing when I cut into it that I was like, yeah, I'm not even going to give this one to my kids. (laughs) It's that room in the house where you're supposed to make the stuff that your family eats. It's the kitchen. And that is a room that for some people, they're they're perfectly competent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's a room for other people where it strikes fear into the rest of their family's hearts. And so we want to hear from those people. <laughs> Have you ever had a kitchen fail? Well, there's so many of them. I can't really pick, but I will say this. When my kids were little... They thought the smoke alarm meant that dinner was ready. (laughs) (laughs) No, you aren't that bad. No, yes, that's true. They don't let me cook anymore. My husband does it, and my job is cleanup duty. There you go. Well, that's not that bad. You found your spiritual giftings. (laughs) It is not cooking. (laughs) Earlier, we were talking about kitchen fails, and... Heather, you've got something you want to add to the conversation? I have evidence that kitchen failures are genetic. Oh, oh. yeah? Go ahead. <laughs> it's not my failure. It's It was my husband and my daughter's. I left him a casserole to put in the oven, and we were gone. And he put it in the oven, and we got home, and it was baked with plastic wrap on top. Oh! Because- <laughs> 
<laughs> you can put plastic wrap in the microwave was his excuse. Not yeah, really. That was his excuse. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Well, now fast forward about 16 years and my eldest, who was the baby at the time, put a plate in the microwave with aluminum foil on it. Oh, no! oh boy. Yeah, fried the the microwave and her reason was, but you can put aluminum foil in the oven. <laughs> symmetrical in their kitchen fails. It all comes full circle. (laughs) It does. I'm afraid for the future of of any children they may have. I feel like things around here have been a little... Uh, romper roomish, not so smart lately. Yeah, I feel like I feel like we need to raise our um, smartness level. Raise our smartness level. (laughs) A little bit. You mean? Do do you want to talk about science? I do. I do want. I want to talk about science. Let's talk about science. We were science. I've missed you. We were reading some science just the other day. Yeah, we were on that wonderful website, studyfinds.org, <laughs> a study commissioned by Stitch Fix. Oh, hey, oh yeah, I know who they are. That that's a clothing thing. Yeah, which is why they were studying how people use clothing. Oh, okay, yeah, that would be a good thing for them to study. They found out the average person has close to three hundred dollars worth of unworn clothing in their closet. All of a sudden, I feel very seen. Do you, is that is that potentially what? you? <laughs> what? That was not written for me. I didn't. That, that's not me. I mean, if you mean those things that I keep telling myself, I'm going to get around oh. to actually being able to fit into that thing that I bought that still has the tags hanging from it. Yeah, that would that be. That was me. an aspirational purchase. Yeah, okay. <laughs> aspirational. What, what, what actually caught my attention is one of the big reasons why people don't wear the clothes in their closet, 20% of people... Keep clothes for sentimental reasons, even if they've never worn them. Sentimental reason? 20% of people. Sentimental pair of cargo shorts. <laughs> if we're going by your response, I'm thinking it might be a lot more than just 20% of people, like science says, that have clothing that they don't wear, but they keep for sentimental purposes. Uh, my mom died of cancer in 1981 in our, our last Christmas together. She bought us girls all matching sweaters. Hmm. And I kept mine. Since 1981? Yep, it hangs in the closet. I don't wear it anymore. Oh. I still look at it. Yeah, yeah. you do. What about your that. sisters? They got rid of theirs. Oh, they did. no! The sweaters were very ugly. I mean, <laughs> they were ugly. <laughs> yeah, but ugly sweaters are in, They're Debbie. They're in now, yeah. Yeah, well, this one, I don't know if it would ever be in. <laughs> It sits at about the bottom of my t-shirt drawer. I wear it every once in a blue moon, but I'm never getting rid of this t-shirt. It is a red, thin shirt. It's got a picture of Mel Gibson holding up a sword made out of bacon, and it says, they will never take our bacon. And why is that shirt so special to you? So a few years ago, um, just out of the blue, I texted my cousin saying, hey, I'm living in Iowa. You're living in Illinois. We're really close together. You should come over. I'll give you the Des Moines experience. We'll go to the state fair together. And so he comes over and I I took him to Ray Gun, which is where I got that Mel Gibson shirt. Mm -hmm. He got a shirt of his own, took him to Zombie Burger, took him to um, the State Fair and just had an incredible time seeing this guy who I grew up with, went to college with him. We were both broadcasting majors together. You guys are more like brothers than cousins. We we were. I mean, he he was absolutely one of my best friends. And it was about... 
maybe six months after that. Yeah, just just that. That I got the phone call that Josh had lost his life in a car accident. And I hold on to that shirt because I think about how random and out of the blue it was that just we happened to be like, we should hang. Mm -hmm. We should totally hang. I feel like God gave me one last great memory with Josh Mm -hmm. before it was time for him to go. Um, I still miss him a lot, but I love having that shirt to remember him. Sentimental clothing. Apparently, one out of five of us have a piece of clothing in the closet that we only keep for sentimental reasons. I I say that the sentiment could be... Someday I'm going to fit into you again. Can you relate, John? I've got two pairs of pants that I ordered for a specific vacation. Needless to say, they were a little tight during that vacation, (laughs) Uh and they'd be a lot more tight today. (laughs) (laughs) But they're still in your closet. They are still in the drawer. Uh And you tell yourself every once in a while, I'm going to get into those. Yep. Yep. They're waiting for the next vacation. Do you ever... Now, this is really putting myself out there. Do you ever go and hopefully... Full of hope. Try them on. Very rarely. Ah, Very rarely. But you do it. <laughs> you do it. Like if I step on the scale and I see a certain number, I'm like, I wonder how they fit or do I need to go further? And then see? I <laughs> eat wrong and yep. then I don't try them on for a while again. You know, when you are maybe driving in your car or taking a shower, blow drying your hair, one of those times where you have a minute to think and the only thing that goes through your head is bad stuff, anxious yep. stuff, scary stuff. That happened to me this morning on my way to work. I work at Life 107.1. We play uplifting music all the time. But I I leave my home very, very early in the morning. It was dark. And the headlines and personal stuff and all of it. I was like, okay, Jen, I got to stop. And I have to think about something good. We need hope like we need breath. I needed hope like I needed breath this morning. It is something that is so important, but it's so hard to find in our current world. If you want something to be negative about, there are a lot of choices right now. (laughs) It's a smorgasbord. So many things that you can choose from. Uh, But there's this verse that has kind of been coming to my mind over and over and over. I read it so long ago. There was this obscure Christian alternative band that made a song about it. And it's all of a sudden just come back into my mind over and over. And it's from this passage in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 31 is this famous passage, the Proverbs 31 woman. And it lists off all these attributes of this amazing woman that frankly some of those are things that I would like to have as attributes <laughs> and in Proverbs thirty-one twenty-five, it says strength and honor are her clothing and she will smile at the future huh. and that second half just sticks with me she smiles at the future and I went and I looked there are a ton of different translations of this they'll say she's confident about the future she's cheerful about the future she will laugh at the days to come And that's something that when you follow Jesus and when you know that the ending of the story is a good ending, even when you don't understand where you are right now, that's a real privilege that we have. Because, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that I can frown at right now. I can open the news and frown at just about anything. But I have the privilege of smiling at the future because I have a God who is good, who loves me, who knows exactly what he's doing. 
and there's nothing he can't do. The Taylor and Jen Podcast is a product of Northwestern Media, a ministry of the University of Northwestern St. Paul. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.